patient, leave me alone. Alright, well, now we are recording. Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of The Lilies and the Azaleas, where we do nothing special and instead sit for about an hour and a half. Oh, sounds good to me. Uh, saves me the effort of talking. No, we have to talk. That's that's part of the deal. Oh, like, damn it. Okay. It's primarily an audio format. I can't just, like, find a random thing in my desk and just tap on it for roughly an hour and a half. We can do a very special performance of 433 by John Cage, uh, except it's extended out to 90 minutes. Let me just... Uh, let me just put on the uh, Psycho Stick cover of Reading Rainbow on a loop, and we'll just go from there instead. <laughs> it, it, it'd be better than whatever we had to say anyways. Uh, so, uh, hello, everyone. Um, I guess this is the second episode. Um, my nerves are really getting the best of me. <laughs> um, it's, it's fine. Our... Our audience of five knows how well we can do, so it'll it'll all work out. Oh, we have five people. Apparently. Oh, that is that is more than I thought there would be. So thank you to those five people. I appreciate you. Yes, if you enjoy this podcast, please like, comment, subscribe, send me fifty dollars, send Meg a thousand dollars. It'll be a good time. No, oh, no, I don't. I don't need a thousand, but I will take it. <laughs> So, uh, how have you been, Cam? How's this oh, treated you? Oh, it's been a week and a half. Um, that's not the sentence, but it's fine. Uh, I started to get better. Uh, my wrist no longer feels like it is being lit on fire with a, uh, a small lighter, uh, which I think is a good thing. Um, I'd say it's a good thing. Lighters hurt. That's my experience with them. I can't point them well. I always hurt myself. Yeah. Um, but I went back to work on Tuesday, uh, and nothing happened on Wednesday. I'm Nothing happened on Wednesday. Absolutely nothing horrible happened to our nation. Less than nope. a full week into the new year. Nothing happened on January 6, 2021. Uh, the, there is something... Um, that I kind of wanted to, like, bring up just as, like, a, a general, like, topic of discussion, I suppose. And it's nothing serious. Don't worry. I never say anything serious. But... <laughs> you gotta keep the irony um, shield up at all times. <laughs> so, like, have you ever just been on the internet, got tired of doom scrolling, and thought, how many eggs would I be able to make out of an ostrich egg? Turns out you can make up to 24 ostrich eggs, or, no, like, normal eggs on a single ostrich egg. You know, I was really hoping you'd let me, like, do the math on that. Um, I would have guessed 12, though, so I was wrong. Now, see, that's not the amazing part about the fact that people will eat ostrich eggs. By the way, they're not, like, endangered, so getting a, um, I said homogenized, but that's not quite correct. Uh, getting an ostrich egg that is pasteurized, I think that's the term, uh, it, it's, they're not endangered, so it's not as terrible as it might sound. But, uh, <laughs> the amazing thing about the ostrich egg is that you have to open it with a hacksaw. Wait, what? How, how thick is the shell? Like... Really, really thick. Like, did you find any, like, measurements? Is it, like, 
is like a quarter inch or anything crazy like when that. Ostrich eggs for sailing. <laughs> nope, that's not it. Uh, heck, saw. Teacher.com has a recipe for deviled ostrich eggs. Lovely. <laughs> How long I would found... it take to cook a whole ostrich egg? Like, well, I imagine like hard that, boil like, it. I guess I don't know. I don't. If it's eggs. hard boiled, if it's hard boiled, it'd probably take like a few hours if it's being completely <laughs> real. Just like boiling it. Oh god! And then it, you still have to hack through the shell instead. Of just mm -hmm. like, oh. Yeah. Instead of, like, peeling it like a normal hard-boiled egg like you do there, you just take a fucking switchblade and just, like, start shaving the ends off. <laughs> okay, so there's, like, how how much, like, eggs you could cook with an ostrich age. What I'm really curious about is, like, if you want to make a cake with just one ostrich egg, how much of the other stuff would you need, and how big would the oven have to be to hold this? Well... Uh, that also requires the preliminary question of how many eggs are in a normal cake. Uh, depends. Um, let's go with two. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, I'm vegan. I don't make cakes with eggs. I'm guessing. <laughs> According to Exactly Perfect Baking, which is a terrible name. You know you love it. I really don't. <laughs> I thought you'd be all over that because it's like a stupid like pun name. Because you send me like stuff like that. All right, but here's, me up the here's, wall. here's the thing: the word "sack" is too prominent in it. Otherwise, I'd be down for oh, it. Oh, is it like exactly? Because I thought it'd be like exact. Oh wait, that's the same thing. Uh huh. Um. But it seems as though uh, in, an, in a traditional 9-inch, 2-layer American butter cake, four eggs seem to be the typical number found in most recipes. Four. All right. I guess I used to make tiny cakes. That's fine. Um, <laughs> so, you, so you just have to make a cake that's six times bigger, and then God knows whatever else in the oven, because yeah. baking is truly <laughs> witchcraft and very easy you know, to fuck like, up. You go on, like, the fucking Cake Boss show or whatever, and you're just like, I'm gonna make a gigantic cake with this ostrich egg that I acquired through legal means. They're like, what the fuck? <laughs> Who let this person in here? <laughs> you have to, like, break, you have, like, crash the show and break in. You're, like, wearing, <laughs> like, a fake, like, name tag of the other guy. It's like, you're Susan? I am. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, yes, please, please ignore the mustache. It's a, it's a personal choice. I was uh okay. So speaking of uh, non-chicken eggs and food, I was listening to a podcast the other day. It was describing an egg war. Uh, so the context behind this is that this is like San Francisco in like gold rush times, where it's like you know like less than a thousand people, but. Um, there's like a big egg shortage, like there weren't enough like chickens to lay eggs, um, and eggs were in really high demand, so like they're like really expensive. But there's this like group of rocky islands um, off the coast nearby there, and basically this guy just kind of like went over, got a bunch of eggs from a bird called a muir. Um, it's kind of like a weird like seagull thing. Just came mm -hmm. back and sold them. Um, 
supposedly, like, they tasted like shit, uh, but they're good for, like, baking, I guess. But, like, the yolks are, like, red, and the eggs are weird. They have, like, a flat bottom because they don't want them to, like, roll off these cliffs. And they're, like, have this really cool, like, blue swirly pattern. But, yeah, it was, like, the whole podcast about how... Uh, these people tried to, like, set up business on the island, like, a regular egg business, because the first guy just got, like, you know, all the eggs he could, and then went back, but, um, there's these guys that just tried to do, like, regular trips, getting eggs and selling them, trying to maintain, like, a monopoly, so, it came to, like, a lot of gunfights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they tried to establish a lighthouse on the island, so, they got into, like, gunfights with, like, a lighthouse guy, which, by extent, is, like, you know, the government, so... Mm-hmm. Good times over weird eggs. Just so I just want to put out there is like you know people kill for these weird eggs. Yeah, for real. Um, the reason that I even brought this up in the first place is because I was listening to a podcast yesterday on my way home from uh, physical therapy, and um, <clears throat> it's this podcast that I uh, listen to like somewhat frequently. Like they make uh, episodes once every month or so, but um, it's they just kind of, like, sit and talk about whatever bullshit pops into their mind, like, the first half of this show. Um, and at one point... So we're uh, they, from them. Look, the whole idea of the stream of consciousness is not a new fucking idea. I don't care who oh, I, you are. I know, I'm fucking with you. <laughs> All I right, know. sorry, I interrupted. Uh, go ahead. No, you're okay. Um, but yesterday, uh, one of the guys on the podcast, after uh, they talked for, like, 20 minutes about Salty Bet, which is an amazing live stream program that everybody should check out. Um, and I'll explain that in a minute. But afterwards, the one guy who, like, was not aware of what Salty Bet was was just like, so, do you ever just go on the internet and see how much it would cost to get an ostrich egg? And then went on, like, a 20-minute tangent on how much he wanted to try an ostrich egg. <laughs> and it got me thinking, and I was like, hang on, how much does it cost? Uh, turns out they're roughly fifty to a hundred dollars to import into America. And they're like ostrich farms for making eggs, or do they just I would, just kind of like sell like I mean, ostrich might just lay an egg anyways, you know? Well, like obviously you need um, a male and a female ostrich in order to uh, like have eggs. That's no, generally not, how biology works. No, no, not for birds. Um, oh, is it not? Yeah. Um, like, the chicken eggs that you eat, like, they're not fertilized. You don't need a rooster to make them at all. Like, mm. like female birds just lay the eggs. Mm, well, yeah, so. shows how much I know about farms. So, um, um, but basically, I feel like you could get them, or I guess, like, the source of them would just be, like, if you have, like, ostriches in a zoo or preserve, then you could just, you know, find whatever unfertilized egg on the ground and sell it. It's just, like, you, you already got the egg, I guess. You could, like, pass it off as, like, a condor egg or something, or, like, some sort of extinct bird. Are condors extinct? I was about to ask you that. I was like, are they extinct? I'd be sad if they were. Are condors extinct? I'm gonna go with no. Uh, they are near threatened. Their population is decreasing. 
Okay, so I got critically endangered po population increasing, but this is about the California condor. Oh, mine's the Andean condor. Oh, oh yeah, I guess those are like the like condor condors. Yeah. Birds are weird. <laughs> they're like birds are weird. They're like turkey vultures. <laughs> yeah, but vultures are cool. Like I remember uh, back in like 2019 when I first got my job. Uh, I had to go out and uh, spray this one house, and it was a tall fucking house. Like, it was, like, it looked like a library from the outside, I'll put it that way. Um, and I just uh, went out, out to my truck after I got done with uh, one part of the job, and I was, uh, I looked up and grabbed my stuff, and I saw a vulture, like, on top of the house with, like, this gigantic wingspan, and I was like, all right. That's pretty fucking cool. I guess these are my favorite birds now. That does sound cool. I don't think I've ever seen a vulture, much less, like, in, like, a city. I don't know. Um, well, this was this was more out towards the countryside of things, because Michigan is very, very weird in terms of, like, set up. Like, there are some places that are, like, full-on cities... And then there's the backwoods places, which are like, oh yeah, there's like margins of cities, but also everybody lives on a lake. There's well, a swamp around every corner. I mean, that's like most states in Middle America, though. Hell, that's my state. I live in Arkansas. Um, I've, I mean, I didn't grow up like in like the country, country, but like it was like two miles away. Like it wasn't a far drive to get there. Um, and I've never seen these kinds of birds. But I have seen all sorts of, like, other things, like, you know, like, deer and all that. I don't know. Maybe it's because maybe they don't like, uh, like, rice or kai because that's all there really is around my hometown. I don't know. Maybe the vultures don't go for stuff that eats that. Uh, usually vultures will just go for things that are dead. Um, but there also is, I think, like, different kinds of vultures that, like, will only come out at night, I think. Let me double check. Uh, no, that's YouTube. Uh, that's Pillar. Is there a band called Night Vulture? I bet there is, but that's a cool fucking name. I don't know for sure, but I wouldn't be surprised if there are. Uh, apparently there are only two species of vultures in Arkansas. Oh, cool. Re represent. Uh, they're the turkey vulture and the black vulture. Hmm. I don't think I've seen either of those. I don't know. Maybe I know turkey some. Vultures, turkey vultures are funky. They sound pretty funky. It's like um, it's like a turkey, but like goth. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's accurate, but it was really funny. <laughs> also, I just want to say that there's like a couple different bands that have... Uh, there's one band called Night Vulture, and they like do like a lot of... Mi mixed case in their names. I don't know. I'm probably going to listen to this after the podcast. And there's one called Vulture's Vengeance. So, it was good good stuff. I'm going to I'm going to listen to it uh, after this and I'll update everyone next week. <laughs> I uh whenever I hear vultures in reference to music, I always think of uh oh god, what is that one song off of I think it's, yeah, The Bastards, The Vultures, The Wolves by uh, The Wonder Years. 
Yeah, I was about to say, that does, like, it does sound, like, familiar, I guess. I don't remember the titles of one of your stuff very well. I would probably recognize how, like, the chorus goes, because I'm basic like that. <laughs> uh, the chorus for that song is the one that starts with, uh, Bury Me at Sea, uh, Let Me Get Some Sleep. Yeah, okay, okay, dude, I like that song. <laughs> It's a good one. It sounds very Reliant K, which is not a problem. Yeah. I haven't listened to a lot of Reliant K, but I, I do like what I've heard so far, even if it is only a couple songs. I have. I was given an album to listen to, and I listened to it, not expecting it to be that great, because it's a Christian punk album. And I was like, uh-huh. And then I listened to it, and I was like, all right, benefit of the doubt, it was better than I thought it would be. Christian. What Christian punk album? Oh, Reliant Forget K. Okay, yeah, I forgot that Reliant K is a Christian band for for a minute there. Um, there, are, there are a few bands that people forget are Christian, so it makes sense. Yeah, I'd say the most interesting Christian band is like this like metalcore band from the '90s called Zayo, because uh, it's it sounds like all the other metalcore at that time and that it's like heavy as shit but like they're like really Christian lyrics like there's like no way around it I just thought it was very interesting I guess see my favorite Christian band uh, besides Under Oath because I love Under Oath um, is this uh, melodic death metal band called Soul Embraced um, they write a lot of lyrics about like Lyrically and vocally, they sound a lot like the classic death metal kind of bands, like the Deicide and the... I don't like comparing anybody to Cannibal Corpse, but they kind of sound like Cannibal Corpse. Oh, um, I see. But, like, they also have a lot of Christian imagery, both in their lyrics and in their uh, album art. Also, the drummer for Soul Embraced ended up becoming the drummer for Evanescence. Huh. And as a result, uh, Evanescence did a cover of an old Soul Embrace song. So that's cool. What has Evanescence been up to all these years? I, They're I mean, still making music, I think. I, yeah, I, they kind of fell off the radar for me in like the mid-2000s. I seem to recall their last uh, thing that they released was a cover of, I think it was Gold by Fleetwood Mac. Huh. Which was not good. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of hard to do. I feel I feel like a lot of bands do like covers of really old songs like later in their careers, and it to me just seems like a nail in the coffin kind of thing. It's like I'm so sorry, but your career is like it's dying now. It's on the downhill. I mean that's fair, but also like. As a concept, the idea of Evanescence covering a Fleetwood Mac song is not a terrible idea. Do you know what the best terrible cover song idea was? Is if you mention Puddle of Mud, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I okay, that one's also like really good, but I'll I'll raise you one that's better. I am afraid. Staying alive. Staying alive. By Ozzy Osbourne. Jesus, look. It's real. It's it's as great as you can imagine it to be. 
Well, uh, I since we're on this topic, we might as well continue. Um, I am a like guilty pleasure fan of the cover of TNT. That's six feet under, did. <laughs> Only thing I know about Six Feet Under is that they're death metal and they blow, but I've never listened to them, and I'm I'm really dreading any moment that I do have to listen to them, but You know TNT, the ACDC song. <laughs> I of course I do, yes. Yeah, for some reason Chris Barnes decided that he wanted to put his stupid cookie monster vocals on top of it. <laughs> Wait, is Chris Barnes a Six Feet Under? Yeah, he, he was the old lead singer of Cannibal Corpse, and then he was like, nah, I don't like this anymore. And then he wrote, he made Six Feet Under instead. Wow, that... Okay, that's uh, that was a dumb choice. <laughs> There's a, a YouTube video by a guy that I like called Gonilak. He does, uh, he did bastardized histories of oh, yeah. X-Metal. I've, I've, uh, watched a few of his videos. My favorite is the one that he did on Death Metal, just because he, the jokes in that one in particular just make me laugh every single time. Like when he was talking about the hit new Cannibal Corpse song, Entrails Ripped from a Virgin's House. <laughs> Classic stuff. Yeah, uh, death metal is one of those genres where you can just look at the song title and be like, oh, I love it already. Like, I feel like other genres try to make it vague, but like, death metal, just puts it out there. There is a band called Nile, and I forget, okay, I think I found what it is. Uh, I didn't know about what this song was until I found a cover of a girl on YouTube playing it. Uh, the song is called Papyrus Containing the Spell to Preserve Its Possessor Against Attacks from He Who Is in the Water. God, that's a, such a fucking long... Is there a good acronym for this? Or is that one of those acronyms that's hard to remember by itself because it just looks like the key smash? E-C-S-P-I-P-A-A-H-W-I-W. Nailed it. <laughs> anyway, what's the song about? Pretty sure it's just a song about uh, casting a spell to keep alligators from eating you. Oh, well, that sounds handy. Uh, do they ever give us a spell, just in case I find myself being attacked by alligators? Uh, let me find the lyrics for it real quick. Wait, they're crocodiles. Uh-huh. Thou standest upon the... The spine of the crocodile fiends to thine sides are the dog-headed apes, the transformed spirits of the dawn. Yeah, man, me too. <laughs> what? Is this song implying that crocodiles are poisonous? I mean, it's not, it's not unrealistic. If you were bitten by one, it would probably be infected, because all they do is just tear apart raw meat, you know? No, if you're bit by one, it would probably kill you instantly. Well... I mean, if you're bit and lived, then, like, you'd probably be, like, infected from the bite, you know? If you're bit and lived, you're fucking astounding. <laughs> Considering how fucking strong crocodiles are in their death tornado spin or whatever they have, well, it's, ugh, scary stuff. But it's cool. I like, it's, I like it. It's cool, like crocodiles. I forgave you for doing the death... Vortex to me and uh, tearing right. my flesh from its bones. 
You know what? You deserve to eat today, crocodile. I forgive you. <laughs> it's just like, ah, fucking, I wasn't doing anything anyways. You can eat me, crocodile. Uh, I'm gonna see if I can find some, like, ridiculous death metal song titles. Uh, ch -ch -ch. Oh, I actually have a question for you about death metal subject matter, because I've had this I'm, thought since, like, high school. I'm ready. Have you ever heard about, like, scaphism? No, I have not. Uh, so, it's C-S-C-A-P-H-I-S-M. Um, basically, in, like, ancient, like, Persia, it was, like, a punishment they would do to you. It was basically, like, a death sentence. Um, but it was just really fucked up. Um, reading about it sounds exactly like a death metal song. Um... Do you want me to describe it to you? I don't know if we should go into that on this podcast. <laughs> I looked I looked it up, um, and it literally does just sound like something the Black Dahlia murder would write about. Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, I don't know. Now, now I'm kind of scared that people are like listening to this. They're missing out unless they're Googling it right now, too. But All right. For the sake of content warning, Google scaphism at your own risk. I put it out there. <laughs> Alright, well, I guess, do, you want, do I go into it now? Sorry, I spaced off. <laughs> You're good. You can go into it. Alright, so basically they uh, just put you on a boat, uh, stick your face and limbs outside of it, feed you a lot of, like, milk and honey. The idea is to give you the shits, and the idea is that it draws flies, and then the flies just kind of, like, start like, eating your living body kind of thing while you float on the water facing towards the hot sun. Admittedly, pretty brutal. Pretty brutal, but, uh, I remember a friend showed that to me in high school, and I've always thought, like, there could be a song about this. You could write a death metal song about this. Um, you could make a religion out of this. <laughs> exactly. Scapism. <laughs> it already has its own name. Um... <laughs> But I've never, I didn't uh, find anything when I tried Googling, like, death metal songs about scaphism. I didn't know if you knew anything. Uh, no, off the top of my head, the closest thing I can think of is a song called How Very Dead by the Black Dahlia Murder. But even then, it's not, like, super close to it. Um, <clears throat> I suppose, looking over the lyrics again, I guess it's not... Uh, close to scaphism, as, as close as I thought it was anyway, but... Either way, uh, listen to the Black Alley murder. That's my that's my appeal to you today. I already have. <laughs> They're pretty good. Also, I googled death metal songs at scaphism now, so people are really on top of it since 2014, which is nice. So, oh, that's good. Anyone out there is dying to listen to this as, like, a song. There you go. You dying. I know you I was dying to listen to it. I know I was dying from uh, being <laughs> consumed by insects and my own shit uh, wanting to listen to this. I remember when I woke up this morning and said, you know, I want to be devoured by insects and rats today. See, there you go. <laughs> you know, just a family-friendly podcast for all those to we're professional. We gotta get this out of the way at the beginning, and then like later when we're like professional, then like this stuff doesn't come up. Maybe. It'll still come up. It'll, yeah. Based on what I've been listening to this week, it'll still come up. It'll come up. 
but speaking of that, um, what have you been listening to? Um, okay, so earlier this week, I asked, uh, I guess, multiple, like, Discord chats I'm in to be like, give me your K-pop recommendations. I forgot I did this, to be honest. This feels like a month ago already. This week's been eventful, uh, but nothing happened on Wednesday. Um, anyways, K-pop. So, I got two playlists, and, uh, Rachel gave me like 11 hand-picked songs. Um, a lot of them were, were good. Um, the reason I guess I asked about uh, K-pop is because I was aware that a lot of my friends liked it and the stereotype about K-pop fans I had in my mind was basically like a bunch of like crazy fangirls um, or like you know stands kind of thing. It's, but the music's pretty good so Thank you, friends, uh, for being normal. So it would encourage me to give this music a shot. Um, there's uh, basically K-pop is like to me. It sounds like the top forty from like the two thousand tens, which is not really a sound I'm fond of. It's like that, but it's good. Um, also, it's in Korean, of course, but there's a lot of parts that are in English. So, yeah, that's that's what I've been listening to, so uh, kind of looking forward to listening to more. Um, my favorite was probably Triple H. Um, unfortunately, they are disbanded, but they are two guys and one woman instead of, like, you know, a soccer team full of handsome boys. Oh, <laughs> uh, Lord. So... Uh, I guess that's what I've been listening to. Oh, wait, I knew I was forgetting something. Um, they released the soundtrack for uh, all the Persona games except Persona 1 on Spotify. So I've been listening to a bit of that, too. Um, I'm really into Shin Megami Tensei, uh, of course. Um, but I've never really played a lot of Persona. Um, I've... I do like the music, though. The music's definitely one of those things that I would like about Persona, so it's nice to have that in isolation from this uh, dating sim game, which those are elements of Persona that I'm not really interested in, to be honest. I'm just here to kill God. Fair, fair. Uh, I personally love all of the Persona games that I've played. That being said, I haven't beaten any of them, but that's because I'm terrible at beating video games. <laughs> but either way, music has always been a... Uh, a high point for me, and I will go back and listen to Snowflakes from Persona 4 Golden until the day I die, because it makes me cry. I haven't been listening to any Persona songs that have made me cry. All of them just seem to be, like, kind of groovy. <laughs> That's fair. I don't know if, uh, I, I'm not on Spotify, so I don't know if uh, Snowflakes is even on there. Uh, it probably is. Like, when I say they released the OST, like, it wasn't like they chose the vocal tracks and put them on there, but for, like, you know, a lot of these games, especially, like, 2 and 5, they put, like, the full OST. Like, all, all the, like, tiny instrumental songs and all that stuff, too, you know? Good news, apparently Snowflakes is on Spotify. But yes, that is a very good thing to hear, because a lot of times uh, it's just the vocal tracks that get put on Spotify or Apple Music or what have you. And it's nice to see uh, video game music that isn't just the vocal tracks. Like, I found out that the Final Fantasy XV soundtrack was on Apple Music, and I was like, finally! 
I can work in peace. Yeah, I, I wish there was a lot more full soundtracks released. Um, Shadow the Hedgehog soundtrack is on Spotify. It does not have all the songs, though, from the stages that I was looking forward to, because I love the Black Comet music, even if it is just a rip-off of the Prison Island one, but it sounds <laughs> cooler. It's, like, jazzier. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Yeah, that was one thing that surprised me, I guess, about, like, the Ruby soundtracks being on Spotify, is that they even have, like, the scores from the parts of the episode that don't have, like, the, you know, the vocal songs and the action scenes. So, I thought that was cool. Some of those are pretty good. Yeah, I have uh, Volume 2 on CD, and I was surprised that it came with both the soundtrack and the score on different CDs. I was like, oh, man, that's pretty neat. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, so, uh, I'm hoping the next step, I guess, for the, uh, Atlas Sound Team Spotify thing is to give us the OSTs for the SMT games, because those are, like, definitely my fucking jam. Because that's also what I've been listening to this week, because I'll be, like, listening to Persona things and be like, this sounds cool, but then I'll be like, I want to listen to this SMT song more, because I'm now reminded of it. I need the Shin Megami Tensei. I can't handle just Persona. I I need it. I need Shin Megami Tensei Five, like the full video game too. It's supposed to come out this spring. I really hope it does. But <laughs> I hope Tales of Arise comes out this year too. Uh, <laughs> Metroid Prime Four too. I don't even like play video games anymore. But those two, like, I'm definitely like invested. At this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but what what about you, Cam? What have you been listening to this well, long, long week? Yep, this long week where nothing happened. Um, well, I uh, started off my work week by deciding to listen to Order and Decline by Sum 41. Um, Sum 41 is a band that I was never particularly interested in before. Really. But then I l decided to listen to this on a whim because I kept seeing uh, a lot of lists from 2019 say this was one of their favorites. I was like, fuck it, I'll give it a listen. Oh, is, is it like a more like recent album? Yep, it came out two years ago now. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, I, I'm not familiar with some 41 like album titles, I guess, so I just assumed it was one of theirs from like the 2000s-90s. No, this came out uh, two years ago, uh, and it is a lot better than I thought it would be, because um, I was expecting, like, standard old pop-punk, because that's what Sum 41 does best. But there were, like, elements of thrash metal, and there were, like, guitar solos all over this fucking thing, and I was like, what? I like it, but what? Um, in particular, the songs that stood out to me were... Uh, out for Blood, Never There, and Eat You Alive. See, I want to check so, this out now, um, because I, I, I would assume it would just be, like, pop-punk but lame, because they're, like, 40, but um, I kind of want to hear a pop-punk band try thrash metal. Is it, like, pop-punk thrash metal? Because I've been thinking about that concept a lot. I don't think I've heard anything that sounds like that, though. Yeah, it's a lot, it's very much pop-punk thrash metal, so, like, it's not, it doesn't have, like, the super long, like, one-riff passages that thrash metal tends to have, 
uh, a lot of the songs are really, really quick and really, really punchy, and they don't uh, just drag on with more and more guitar solos. Oh, thank God. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's, like, my least favorite thing about Metallica's, like, early albums is that they're, like, seven minutes long, and there's a lot of parts where they repeat the same riff, like, ten times in a row. It's like, please, mm -hmm. you don't have to do it that much. Um... In a similar pop punky vein, I went back and listened to A Fever You Can't Sweat Out by Panic at the Disco. Uh, I, I thought um, you said you've never heard that you don't listen to them. I really don't. This is an exception. Uh, simply because I absolutely love Build God, Then We'll Talk. That's, that's a really good song. It's definitely one of my favorites from the album. My favorite is uh, London Beckon's Songs About Robots. I'm not saying the full title because it's stupid. Um... Uh, songs about money written by robots, that's what it is. But uh, the songs are still stupidly long in terms of title, but the songs themselves are well-crafted, uh, especially for a band's first outing. Um, also, Brendan Urie wrote this when he was 16, and I am eternally jealous. Um, See, I always thought that it was like Ryan Ross who was the songwriter on this, like for the first two albums of Panic's career, and then it kind of switched over to Brendan Urie because Ryan Ross left the band. I don't know. I think, that, I think that might be correct, but I think that Brendan Urie wrote most, if not all, of the lyrics. Oh, yeah. It, that makes sense, because the lyrics are still weird. Well, kind of. Uh, Panic really, I guess, kind of changed it up around... Uh, I miss the weird... I miss their weird lyrical uh, decisions. Yeah, they I like I liked them better when they were weird too. Like uh, even like "Death of a Bachelor," which is just you know, 2010s like pop music. I still like really like that um, because it still has like a lot of like weird stuff on it. Yeah, and like I don't love every song off of uh, "Fever You Can't Sweat Out." Like I really hate uh, "Nails for Breakfast," "Tax for Snacks." I think it's bad. Yeah, um, that's definitely... I, I wouldn't say it's bad, but I skip it a lot. Also, Lying is the Most Fun a Girl Can Have Without Taking Her Clothes Off is not a good song. Uh, I put it out on. there. Whoa, hang on, hang on. I, we gotta discuss this. What the fuck? What's so bad about it? I simply don't enjoy it. But, the, the song itself just bothers me, I think. But like, also, because it's a little bit sexist. That that ropes me the wrong way. Yeah, that's that's this whole genre, though. Unfortunately, I I really like it, like musically, though. Um, like the bass line, like you know, uh, I guess like how would I describe the vocals? I guess um, not like hushed, but he's not like exactly belting it out. You know, I don't know. I really like that. I think like the verses sound like really cool and then they just kind of like crescendo into this big chorus mm -hmm. I mean I understand like from a technical level I understand how good the song is but it's just never one that I remember and honestly when I'm I'm sitting here trying to remember how it goes but instead I'm just thinking about build God then we'll talk wow that that's wild to me because that's one of my favorites from the album like man <laughs> Um, the only other like time I've ever heard anything with the vocals like that and like the cool bass is uh, 
Oh, what's the name of it? It's that one brand new song, like Sick Transit Gloria, I think it's what it's called. Maybe I, I know what you're this. talking about. Yeah, I feel like it's like kind of like a similar vibe to that, even though these songs are uh, about very different things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, brand new song being, you know, very intense subject matter. And Lying is just a song about Brendan Urie being like, women are bad. That's not what it's about, but... Yeah, he he is being kind of like, shitty about that though i will i will give you that and that's a valid reason to not like the song um the only other uh there the only other thing that i really want to talk about is uh, i've been listening to an album called place of chains by a band called singularity mm -hmm. uh they're a black metal band that are incredible like i can't i don't even like black metal that much but like they take the best parts of black metal, which is the sick fucking riffs, and add a lot of technical death metal stuff to it. And also, the lead guitarist and lead singer is a very somewhat popular uh, YouTube cover artist, which I just appreciate. What's um, this? Or what's their name? Maybe I should assume these. <laughs> uh, it is uh, Toxic X Eternity on YouTube. Oh. I found him because he covered Spider Dance from Undertale. Huh. I've, I've never heard of him. He is very, very good, and I will, I'm going to give you Singularity at one point, and one of his video game compilation albums at one point or another, too. Okay, yeah, I may or may not check it out on my own. Sounds interesting. I'm always kind of iffy, I guess, about, um, I guess, like, music YouTubers making original music, because I don't think it works out very often. I think the important thing, uh, the important distinction with Jack, his name's Jack Flagel, is uh, he takes a lot of steps to separate his own personal music from the video game stuff. Like, he is the same guitars, obviously, because why would you buy a whole new guitar just for that? But, um, like, he's made it very clear that his, uh, his actual, like, band is very different from his um, YouTube career. And I appreciate that immensely, because there are a lot of people who don't do that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Rob, Rob Scallon is an example, even though I do like Rob Scallon. Yeah, Rob Scallon's talented. I've never listened to his music, though. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, it's, it's just that, like, making a like interesting YouTube video is a lot... It's, it's a lot different than, like, creating an original song. Mm -hmm. Not to say that can't be done. Um, there's actually a YouTuber that I liked uh, from like several years ago, and he did a lot of like rock style covers of video game stuff. But he also released his own album. But it's kind of cool because it's not like he was, uh, you know, make, making video game covers and doing something totally different. The original thing he made it's like it's like a concept EP, but the idea is that it's. Um, it's like the soundtrack to a video game that doesn't exist. Like, you're supposed to kind of, like, imagine a video game as you listen to it. Um, and it's not even, like, fully, like, rock slash metal or anything. Um, there's a lot of, like, you know, like, 8-bit stuff on it that's kind of, like, backed up by, like, guitars and drums kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, I, I 
unrecommended. If you don't listen to it, I'm, I'm going to make you listen to it one day because I love that album. That was such a, like, meek threat. You're like, if you don't listen to it, I, I'm going to make you. I just want you to appreciate <laughs> nice things. I just want you to be happy. Why can't you do that? Do you um, the nice <laughs> the only other thing that I've been listening to before we get into the albums that we gave each other was uh, I have been listening to a song by Powerwolf called Demons Are a Girl's Best Friend um, because writing reasons and that's all I'll say Demons Are a Girl's Best Friend that's a very uh -huh. interesting title I will give you three guesses what the song is about uh, Demons you got it Girls. Uh-huh. Friendship. In a manner of speaking, yes. Oh, I'm so good at this. You're so good at this, Meg. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, but with that, um, I think we should get into albums. And, you know, I went first last week, so I'm, I'm going to have you go first this week. Okay, uh, before we start, I do want to... <laughs> Hang on, I just thought this is really funny. Okay, uh, so last week, uh, Cam and I sent each other our suggestions, um, but I, I gave him an album that I knew was basically like the musical version of like a hand grenade, because um, I didn't know what he gave me, I guess, but um, as soon as we hang up, he just messages me like, these are very different albums. <laughs> It just killed me. It's just like, I wonder what I'm in for, but... <laughs> so, yeah. Uh... <laughs> so, uh, okay, with that, I guess um, it's a good segue into talking about the album you gave me. So, um, unlike the album I gave Cameron, this is um, it's a very gentle album. Uh, but I, I wasn't going into this expecting that. Um, so I guess well, what is my the name first, of the album? Um, that's a good point. Maybe I should say <laughs> what it's called. Hmm. We're professional. I think. We're, we're professional. Um, so the album is called The Migrant by The Deer Hunter, and it's D-E-A-R and not D-E-E-R. I'm, in fact, wearing my Deer Hunter shirt that says, it's like a dare parody shirt. It says D-E-A-R, and it says not the animal, the deer hunter underneath it. That's really clever my, on their part, because, like... My favorite shirt. Because, like, if you were to say Deer Hunter, I'd think about that one, like, Christian metalcore band from, like, ten years ago. Like, yeah, no. Deer uh, Hunter. Casey Crescenzo is, in fact, nowhere near Christian. <laughs> Nor is he really anywhere near metalcore, but it's fine. Yeah, uh, that's fine. But, um, I guess based on... Cam's description of them, I was expecting some kind of, like, prog metal thing. Um, and, yeah, the album cover's certainly weird. That's why I point out that I looked at the album cover for this. I don't know what the fuck that thing is on that person's head. It's horrifying. I don't want to think about it, so don't tell me. It's a birdcage. What's inside the birdcage? Hair. Why? Alright, this is gonna be, like, purely pretentious thinking, so bear with me for a moment. Well, that's given okay. The, given the general theme of the album as a whole, I think that it might be a representation of getting lost inside your own head. 
particularly oh. after something terrible happens. I see. That kind of makes sense. Um, I guess I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll do the rest of my intro and then I'll go back around to that. What is in your structure? What is presentation? Um, so yeah, um, I was I was going into this expecting some prog stuff. Um, I did not hear a, a lot of like prog rock or prog metal. Um, if you were to ask me to describe this, it would be like half like. John Legend, Alicia Keys style, like pop music, half like Muse, Radiohead rock, and then every once in a while it has some like, like really like jazzy chords or like really like proggy, uh, like rhythms kind of thing. Um, so yeah, totally unexpected. <laughs> um, so I looked this time. I did research about the album. Um, so. The Deer Hunter, I guess, has like a concept discography thing, but this is one of their few albums that is outside of that, and this is the only album that they have thus far to not have a like overarching concept or theme. At least yeah, that's what so I read online. I disagree with that myself after listening to this, uh, but you, you, you say your thing, and then I'll jump into this. So I wanted to give Meg an introduction into the Deer Hunter, but it's really hard for me to say, jump into this concept album that is actually like part four of the six-part story, because like, f then trying to explain all the songs and what the lyrics mean becomes incredibly difficult. Oh. So I was like... I mean, that's fine. Oh. That's, how, that's how I started with like Star Wars. <laughs> Fair enough. You start with but, the fourth uh, one. I decided to give her Migrant uh, for a number of reasons. Number one, it was just on my mind. Like, I've been listening, I've been thinking about this album for a while now. But, um, I wanted to give her something to, like, ease her into it. Um, so this is a lot more of a mellow album, and I have already been told that the Deer Hunter are a very mellow band. Uh, which, again, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we will. Um, but, yeah, that's, uh, until we get into like specifics in terms of songs, that's all I got for right now. All right. Actually, well, I lied. Um, this entire album, all words and all music, was written by one guy. That's all. Yes, that is true. Um, I kind of gathered that the rest of their discography is like that. It seems like the, yep. to me, it seems like the Deer Hunters just kind of like the project of this one guy called Casey Crescenzo, um, and he, he is my god. He's a vocalist. Uh, so, yeah, um, this really does seem like an album that was just kind of made by one person. Um, there's just one voice on it, um, and then accompanied by, like, piano or guitar, you know, something that would be easy for, like, one person to perform by themselves with, like, a few other, like, backup instruments that really don't take the spotlight. Um, so I guess let's get into the track-by-track uh, track for this. Um, so the first album... And that first album, geez. The first album on the album. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a fractal album. <laughs> um, and you said this wasn't prog, jeez. Jeez. It's not, <laughs> it's not prog enough. It doesn't have uh, imaginary numbers and vector calculus. What? That, what's that one K-Mac quote where he's like, I'm so prog I listen to concept albums on shuffle? <laughs> I love that. I do listen to concept albums on, on shuffle sometimes. 
just to just to do it. This feels like such a it feels like such a flex. It makes me really feel powerful. Okay, anyways, first track of the album, and not the first album of the album. It's called Bring You Down. Um, and uh, I really like the, the piano and the drums on this. It's like, the piano makes it sound like kind of like gentle, but like the drums kind of have like a driving force behind it. So it, it's like, it's not like intense, but it's like animated, if that makes sense. Um, it does. I really like the lyrics. I find them to be, to be relatable. Um, it's about like, I guess, you know, having like personal demons, but you're like fighting against them and trying to enjoy life despite that, which I think is really relatable. Um, that's what I've been trying to do for like the past year and a half now. <laughs> um, the second song is Whisper. It's a little bit like Bring You Down. Um, it's slightly faster than it, which uh, I guess I'm going to do like a little like mini tangent about that. Um, so I I don't like a lot of like gentle music. I, I find it to be like very like boring. So, um, but there are songs from it that I like. Um, and whenever I'm not really like vibing with it, I tend to like set it to like 25% uh, like faster kind of thing. And it kind of brings it to like, you know, a bit more like upbeat tempo. So it has like a, a bit more energy, but it doesn't change the song radically. But I didn't have to do that with this song. It's already at that tempo. Like, it's just, I'm glad that he recognized that and just uh, put it there to begin with. Um, the the lyrics are, you know, kind of like a positive vibe, like the last one. I, I really don't know exactly what they're about. It just, it kind of feels like, you know, live your life while you have life to live kind of thing. Yeah, um, um, if I may, just uh, oh, real quick about... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'm not going to do this about every song, although I could, because if I did this, this entire podcast would be like four hours. But... Um, in particular, I'm bringing you down. There are just a little, little bits that I like, and I think that the underlying production and the overarching production is really what brings it to the top, so to speak. Because uh, "Bring You Down" is a song that I aso closely associate with myself. Um, in particular, in the beginning, there's a string section that sounds like it's from a horror movie. That's the only way that I can really describe it. I guess I must have missed that. Um, I really did like the piano, I guess. And to me, it, it kind of reminded me like a soundtrack or something. I don't know what, though, but... Well, see, what I was getting at... Um, sorry, but... Uh, what I was getting at is the horror movie, like, Sting, ends with the piano. So going from, like, something that's, like, mounting tension into something that's calm and something that is serene, like, to me, it always symbolized, like... Everything, kind of like the album cover, everything going on in your mind, but having to put up a front that everything is okay. That's, I think that ties into the lyrics really well. Um, in particular, the ones that always stood out to me were, uh, I tried so hard to hide, can't, yeah, I tried so hard to hide the cynic in me far from sight, but moments still arise when my flaws get the best of me. Yeah, and that's, that's what I was talking about too. It feels like, you know, like you're trying to be positive despite uh, the negativity. 
because, uh, like, I, I've definitely been there. I would definitely describe myself as a pessimist. I'm trying to be better about it, but I uh, really like those lyrics. They resonated with me. Yeah, that's... I, I didn't mean to cut you off or anything, but I just... I have wanted to say these words about uh, Bring You Down for so long, because Bring You Down is one of my favorite songs. Well, it's a good song, so I can see why it would be your favorite. Here, uh, yes, uh... No, you're good. No, you're uh, good. I'm trying to get my cat to come in here because she keeps like running around and yelling. Well, while you're doing that, I will just mention uh, "Whisper" is something of a single off of this album. Like, if you talk to like casual Deer Hunter fans, which I've only met one, uh, they will usually say that "Whisper" is the song that they heard first. Yeah, I, I kind of got that vibe too when I was looking this up. Is that "Whisper" is like way more popular than the other ones? Um, mm -hmm. Which makes sense. Like, I really liked it. So, I, I think, like, if I, like, I don't know. I'll see you, like, after I listen to more of this uh, band, I guess. But I, I can see that it as, like, the gateway song to the rest of it. Um, I read that they play this, like, at the end of every concert kind of thing. So yeah, this is usually their closer. Uh, I didn't hear it the two times that I saw them. But, um... I did hear another song on this album when I saw them, and it was incredible. So, I see. Uh, so, yeah, Whisper. Very good song. Um, definitely something to add to my playlist. Another one to add to my collection. <laughs> um, Alright, so next one uh, is called Shame. Um, so, I'd say this one is like, it's like more like pop-ish. It's definitely sadder. Um, it's also like uh, around the point, I guess, in the album. Like, I didn't, like, enjoy it as much uh, starting here. Um, not not because, like, it's sadder, because, like, I, I, I do, like, sad music, of course, but for some reason, like, this song, like, it just, it just didn't do a lot for me. Um, I wouldn't say it's bad, but um, I didn't really, like, get a lot from this, um, so I guess let's just move on to, uh, to Escape. I, I like this one, like, a little bit more, not nearly as much as the first two. Um, it's, like, it's, this one's, like, more rock, but it's, like, really, like, acoustic kind of thing. Um, it's about, I guess, you know, pushing away a loved one with your own, like, like, personal demons. I've also, like, been in that scenario before, so, like, mm -hmm. I really was, like, feeling it as I was reading the lyrics, um, even if it, like, I wasn't too impressed musically. Um, I'd say that Shouting at the Rain is just kind of, it's, it's kind of what makes me think that this is kind of a concept album, is I think it kind of, like, comes into play here. It feels like, um, the lyrics kind of, like, pick up from an escape and that they seem to express like the idea that you'll be like alone because now that you push your loved ones away with your issues in the last song they're going to stay around and prevent any new kind of connections from showing up and you know i've definitely been in that headspace before as well mm -hmm. uh this this is kind of like you know continuing like a chain of a lot of these songs where it's just like bro you know, um, mm -hmm. um, this was a, this was a song that actually got a music video. Um, the deer hunter don't have a lot of music videos, but this is one that a lot of people know. Uh, personally, 
I find the song very relaxing, and I want to go to a beach and play this song because it's a beach kind of song. Really? Um, I, I did not get honestly, that vibe at all. I mean, lyrically, it's not, but like the general guitar tone makes it seem to me like it's something that I could just sit on a beach and listen to and relax. Huh. Well, maybe I'll try it again with that in mind. Um, I actually didn't write down, like, I mean, of course, I'm kind of like reading off some notes I had beforehand, so I wouldn't, like, forget my points, but I actually didn't write down anything about the music itself for this song. That's fair. The lyrics are, in my opinion, kind of overshadow the music, but the music, in my opinion, is also still good. Yeah, there, there's definitely a few songs on here where I, I didn't comment on the music that much, but I, I, I have lyric comments on most of these. Um, with that in mind, the lyrics and also, in my opinion, the drums in the next song absolutely sell everything. Yeah, I was actually, I did have the drums, like, for the next track, Kiss of Life, um... So, yeah, um, it's still kind of, like, keeping, like, the sad tone from, like, the last two or three songs, but this time with, like, drums that kind of, like, keep driving it forward, which is really good, um, I guess, since we're already in that mood, um, it just keeps us going. Um, the lyrics, it's like, oh boy, I feel, <laughs> I feel bad for this guy, um, yeah, uh, just the idea of, like, like, pleading, I guess, for, like, some, like, part of your life back from someone else. It's just like, oh, man. It's like, I, I'm so sorry, dude. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, yeah. I, it communicates it well. I wouldn't say I relate at this point anymore, though. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> sorry. It's okay. Uh, this album was actually written shortly after Casey Crescenzo's divorce, which was not pretty from the sounds of it. So... If you go in with that in mind, a lot of these songs make a lot of sense. You know what? I, okay. I might have to think about some of these songs, I guess. Uh, but I did notice, like, there was a lot of themes, I guess, of, like, like breakups and stuff. Um, and some it's of them, abuse, I guess, too. Yeah. See, I, I tried finding that stuff, but I couldn't, so now I feel like an ass, because, like, so, like some of these, I'm, like, kind of, like, critical about that, but, like, that context kind of changes it. I didn't know it was, like, a divorce. I thought it was, like, a girlfriend, you know? So No, I mean, you know, you didn't have that. the, you didn't have the context, so I'm not, like, I don't think you're an asshole. I didn't think you're an asshole to begin with, but... <laughs> Well, I, I, I was wanted... worried I was about to really sound like one, and then you'd be like, it's about this. I'd be like, oh, shit, I'm sorry. <laughs> is it? Is it because of girl? Because it, uh, it can be because of girl. All right, yeah. It, let's talk about girl, because that is the next track <laughs> on here, so appropriate. Um, and I did have, I guess, more, like, negative thoughts, I guess, about this song. Um so I guess for starters, whenever I see, like, you know, like a male singer-songwriter creates, like, an album exploring his feelings, and there's a song on there just simply titled Girl, my first thought is, oh no, it's going to be whining about an ex who, like, doesn't get to share her side of the story, and it's kind of cliche at this point. That's kind of what I thought, I guess, going into this. Um, Looking back, I guess, after that context of the divorce, is totally different. Um, at first, I was like, it's kind of, like, shitty to just expect this person to, like, you know, 
like they owe being open to you, that's kind of vibe I got. But it's just like if it's your wife, it's like that's that's kind of like a different ball game. It's like at that point, it's just like you are obligated to be open with your spouse. So I will I will like forgive him on that. But that is definitely what I'd written at first um, was that's like fair. more harsh criticism. Um, there's female backup singers on this one. Um, just I believe that's his sister. Oh, cool. Uh, musical family. So, um... His brother is on the drums, so... Haha. Ha, wow. Okay, so... There's, there's a lot of, like, s siblings and cousins and bands. I'm, mm -hmm. like, learning this more and more, but I, I just always thought that was interesting, because I don't think I could ever have a band with my sister. Not that I don't like her, but it's just, like... You know, she doesn't play an instrument. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, anyways, uh, I guess musically, I'm still not a fan of this one. So I, I, I feel like the lyrics are like are more justified now, but like I do not like the instrumental on this at all. So maybe I'll maybe I'll give it like another look at the lyrics, but I just really did not like this song at all. That's fair. You know, I don't I don't expect you to like everything, even if I do. But like I am a self self admitted uh deer hunter stand, so it's fine. Oh, okay. I mean I'm not like I don't know. I just kinda wanna like make it sound like you're you're uh you're you're allowed to, to write an album about your divorce. I, I think you could write an album about your divorce. I just wanna put that out there. I don't want anyone to think that like I'm like disapproving of this guy expressing that, I guess. You are not allowed to express feelings. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> well, I mean, there's, like, something. Like, I don't know. If, no, I get what you mean. If I, I knew that going in and said that, I feel like that would be, like, really, like, shitty of me. It's just like, come on, like, do you really have to go through this? It's like, yeah, maybe. Um, anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. It's awkward. Um, cycles. Um... I feel like this is, like, uh, I get the impression that's a song kind of about moving on. I'm not entirely sure, though. Um, at this point, the lyrics become increasingly more vague to me as the album goes on. Um, the the intro sounds really cool because um, it's like this... The kind of the talk boxy kind of thing? Yeah, like the guitar and then, like, the, the vocal distortion kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. It reminds me of Planet Caravan by Black Sabbath. I don't know if you've heard yeah, that song. Yeah, yeah, I have. Um, so I guess for anyone who doesn't, um, it's like the exact opposite of what you think a metal song would be. It's like very like serene and quiet kind of thing. Um, it's about flying through space with your loved one. It's like hippie shit, and it's really good. It's really good. I would recommend listening to it. Um, it if you don't like metal, because I think this is something that you shouldn't be missing out on just because it's on a metal album. Anyways, I was kind of wishing that uh, Cycles, I guess, would keep that up throughout because it'd be cool, I guess, to have a song that sounds kind of like Planet Caravan that like kind of like evokes that sound, but doesn't like you know like rip it off kind of thing, mm -hmm. like more like an influence. Um, but. Uh, it kind of like wears off after their first verse, and it's back to more like conventional singing on the rest of the album. Um, the guitar is still cool, though. It kind of sounds like Radiohead style guitar, um, especially on like 
a song like Subterranean Homesick Alien mm-hmm. uh, from OK Computer. And then that main part of the song, like, ends. And then there's just this loud instrumental part that just comes in for, like, 30 seconds at the very end. Um, I, I thought it was, like, really out of nowhere. But I liked it. It, it, was, it was bewildering, but I like it. I can respect it. <laughs> Cycles is a song that I either love or I hate, depending on the day. So mm. the lukewarm reaction is, is fairly standard. Um, honestly, I think that it is overshadowed by track nine, but that's just me. Uh, yeah, sweet naivete, naivete. The, the E has an accent on the end. Um, but uh, it's, it's lyrically similar to Cycles. Um, but this has like guitar, uh, not guitar. It doesn't have a guitar. It's the exact opposite of what I originally said. Sorry. Um, and it has like this really like cool like piano that's playing some kind of like jazzy chords, which like I've always been like a really big like fan of. Uh, so basically, like we have uh, this piano like just kind of building up this harmonic tension in the bridge, which I thought was the highlight of the song. Like, there wasn't even vocals for this. It was just piano just playing cool stuff, just, you know, building towards this tension. Um, so, I would say this is a good song from this album. This is this is uh, also kind of like a turnaround point where I start to enjoy the album again, because I was not a big fan of, like, the middle of, like, the core part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's... Also, there's a word in here, diapason or something. I can't remember how he says it in the song, but I had to look that up. All the lyrics I found were about, like, (laughs) tuning stuff, and I tried to map those meanings to, like, um, to, like, the lyrics in the song, and they just didn't make any damn sense. Um, there's another song I can't... Um, remember, but also has a weird word that I couldn't find a proper definition to fit into it for. Um, I can I can try and explain that. Okay, good, because it, it just felt like he chose a random word. I was hoping we wouldn't notice that it would, it didn't fit. So, um, the episode, as you mentioned, uh, refers to tuning. Uh, let me find out exactly what it is so I don't sound like a fucking moron. It's like a tuning fork. If you Google it, that's the first thing that pops up is tuning fork stuff. Or an organ a, stop, an organ stop sounding a main register of flute post, which is a grand swelling burst of harmony. So, um, what the uh, full context of the line is the soft, unsettled quiet from a million questions never answered, expecting conversational return more akin to diapason. So, what it's what he's basically saying is that he's trying to explain to somebody and, like, get the answers to questions that he never asked. Um, He's getting, essentially, radio silence. But what he was hoping for was something more. Some sort of grand flourish. Something... Something romantic, so to speak. Ah, okay. That makes a bit more sense. Yeah, I did not find the grand swelling a harmony thing in my Googling. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm bad at that. Um, I'm bad at researching this album. Oh, well. All right. That's what you're for. Um, Any Deer Hunter question I can answer. No worries. See, there you go. Um, all right. 
Let's get on to the next one. It's called Let Go. And positive lyrics are back. Yay, because I feel like the music is better when the lyrics are more optimistic, which like like I said, you know, earlier, um I'm not opposed to like sad songs. I would say I listen to mostly sad songs, so I don't think it's like the lyrics that really like I guess you could say that the lyrics don't. You could say that the lyrics don't bring you down. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, I'm good now. <laughs> just had to, just had to hold back blind rage. Um, so the positive lyrics are back. Yay! Uh, so the music's, uh, in my opinion. And it's like a lot better. It's a lot like sweet naivety, naivete, uh, however you'd like to say it. Um, it's like that in that the song kind of like builds, especially in the bridge. Um, but what really stood out to me in this song is that there's like a guitar solo over the soft part, which is one of my, I guess, favorite musical elements. Um, I listen to like a lot of like rock and metal music, so I'm used to, you know, these balls to the walls, like blazing fast solos. Um, but I really love, you know, the idea of like an expressive guitar solo over like a uh, calmer part of the music. It, it feels like it can actually work as like a musical element rather than just like a vehicle for like showing off your technical skill. Um, mm -hmm. So that was, that was like the highlight of this song for me was that solo. Um, and then the next song, This Vicious Place, actually has a really, like, uh, extended version of that at the end, like a full minute of just, like, jazz guitar soloing. Um, I don't know, I could just listen to it for, like, you know, like, hours, basically. Um, <laughs> I, I really love it. So, if you're, if you're listening and thinking about <laughs> making a song, just throw that in there. It'll be fine. Trust me. My favorite, my personal favorite part of uh, this vicious place is the way that he sings the chorus. The chorus being, "Can I give it all away for one last chance to speak to you, lover?" Like, if you just read it, it doesn't have nearly the same impact. But then you hear his falsetto when he sings it, and it's like, "Oh man, I get it." Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. I I was like reading it and listening simultaneously, and. uh and I, I didn't get it, um, so I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Um, let's uh, let's get to the last track, I guess, of like the base album before getting into the bonus tracks, which I did listen to. Um, Hold on, before you do, the bonus tracks are bad. Continue. They're bad. Better. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that was that was definitely what I was going to say. Um, so, Don't Look Back, it's, uh, it's about moving on, which is, like, good. It's a good note to end on for, for a song like this, because I feel like a lot of, like, we've been, we've been going to, like, breakup stuff since, like, track three, so, uh, and that kind of ended at track three. So, like, most of this album, I feel like, is related to, like, the breakup. So that's what makes me think it's not like a like all these things I saw online are like it's not a concept album. It's just like there there's clearly a theme here though. So 
Anyway, that's just me being pedantic about stuff. Um, People be stupid. People be stupid. Exactly. Well, it's just like interviews with like the band themselves. So it's just like, come on, guys, really? You, you got to be self-aware about this. I don't know why. I was doing like the Italian hand thing while saying that. <laughs> just just want to come go, on, guys. It's like, come on. Come on, guys. It's something here. <laughs> All right, so um, enough Italian shit. Um, you know, as it stands, on. I think we're not looking. As it stands, uh, I think you've been staring at the edge too long. <sighs> been staring at the edge too long, um, waiting to talk about the next track. Um, but we're not. We're gonna look back on "Don't Look Back." <laughs> Kill me. Um, so this one, uh, this feels like the third song in a row where it tries to do, like, Billy stuff from, like, a softer beginning point, but it never actually builds. Um, I don't know if it'd be better or worse if it did. If it did, it'd be, like, the last two songs, and, but it doesn't, so now it just feels like a letdown. There's really no way to win. Um, I just don't like this song. I'm, I'm glad he's, I'm glad he feels better at the end, but... I wasn't feeling it. That's fair. All right. Honestly, I, I stand in the opinion that the album should not have ended with Don't Look Back and that the three bonus tracks should not have been bonus tracks. I def I don't agree with you on that first point. I feel like it was a, it was a good ending. I definitely agree on the last point. I would definitely like to have these uh, in place of like the other tracks on the album. Uh, so the first bonus track, first to three, is called uh, "Dig Your Own Grave." So this is this is a pretty standard rock song. Um, by the standards of this album, though, it's it's like the heaviest thing on here, which is kind of weird to say um, because it basically sounds like Foo Fighters, but with like more polished, cleaned up kind of singing than Dave Roll, and it's like proggier like there's more complex like rhythms here um i do love the use of all the metaphors in the lyrics i really don't know what the hell the song's about though but i i'm i don't know if you if you know that would be it'd be cool to know but i know it's gonna bother me what is it about? about it's about uh well what i interpret it to mean is um oftentimes after um you know, after an abusive breakup or after an abusive relationship of any kind, doesn't have to be romantic or anything similar, you tend to look back on a lot of the things that happened and you just kind of feel like, fine, do whatever the fuck you want to me. I don't care anymore. Oh. And I think that's I think that's particularly evident in the last uh, line of verse 2, which is, but I know the painful truth. I could climb right out if I really, really want Oh, I like that. See, this is this is a good song now. Now we have like a cohesive meaning, good music. Oh, I um, absolutely well, love this song. Yeah, this is this is this is like uh, besides like whispers, it's probably be like my favorite. I guess definitely That's my fair. favorite of like the bonus tracks. This is a really good song. Um, probably because I already like a lot of rock music, so it just kind of plays into what I'm used to, but. I don't care. It's good. <laughs> sue me. Don't sue me. I don't have money. Please don't sue me. 
Please don't sue me. <laughs> um, yeah, I I love uh, all three of these bonus tracks. Dig Your Own Grave caught me from the moment I first heard the riff. Oh yeah, uh, I gotta talk about the other two. Whoops, I don't know why whoops. I stopped talking. I'm sorry, unless you have something to, to say. I was gonna keep going. Uh, the only thing that I can really say is that when I'm in a bad mood, sometimes I put on Dig Your Own Grave and just shout it at the top of my lungs. That's valid. Um, I've definitely done that with like some Slipknot albums of whenever I felt especially angry. Try my hand at the, the harsh vocals. Oh god, don't try Iowa, please. Don't try Iowa. That'll destroy you. Don't try and sing Iowa. It'll destroy your throat. It already fucked up Corey's. That's true, yeah. One day. I never get that far, though. Um, I always listen to it in the car, and I get about halfway through the first half, which is my favorite half. Um, but that's a story for another time. Now we got to talk about Old Demons, the second bonus track from this album. Um, so this one, musically, it's like really interesting compared to the others, because it sounds all like jazz. Broadway. Yeah, it's like Broadway music kind of thing, but... It also reminds me of, like, a lot of Led Zeppelin's, like, bluesier songs from, like, a lot of their earlier albums. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, but... Yeah, I'm familiar. Yeah, it's like, uh... Oh, crap, my name's escaping me, but, like, the, like, swing, you know, feel and the organs, like, really reminded me of that. Um, so, yeah, I kind of wish this song was on the album just so it could add, like, some musical variety. I, uh, you know, at this point in the album, we've just been listening to a bunch of, like, soft, like, rock, pop kind of thing um, for about an hour. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, I guess we're just gonna, you know, keep driving us home. It's just, like, put these on the core album and not as, like, a bonus track thing. Um, the last bonus track is called The Love, which is a really, a really good title. I like it, despite how simple it is. Um, it's like, it's like if Imagine by John Lennon was like better. I mean, of course, like it's this is only like a sonic similarity, but like uh, the lyrics of Imagine are also kind of preachy too. But this is a, this is just kind of like a piano-based song. Um, I guess about just you know losing your loved ones, basically. Uh, I don't know, it feels like there's also, like, encouragement to, like, you know, let the people you have around you love you, too. Um, I guess as if to, like, you know, encourage the listener to be like, hey, you know, you lost your loved ones, but, like, don't let that stop you from loving people if you're afraid to, like, lose them, if that makes sense. It does. So, yeah. Um, I'd say I like it just for that concept alone, even if I don't like it musically. See, um, not to put too much downer stuff on here, not to bring you down, but, uh, <laughs> um, okay, yeah, let's, sorry, let's go. Uh, so I first heard this song pretty shortly after a, a recent breakup, not recent, but my most recent breakup at the time. Right, right. And, um, like, I didn't expect a whole lot out of it, because I just thought, Oh, it's a, it's a piano ballad. I don't normally like those. And then I heard the first verse 
which is I was 22 when I first died, but in the darkest dark I saw no light and it was blinding just how dim it got. It was a cold I thought could never come. And it's just like, ah, shit, that's really good. <laughs> yeah. And then I, then I got down, I got down to the last, uh, the last verse, where he says, "I'm nearing 29 and I haven't died, and I'm done with cursing at the skies." And I was like, ah, shit, it's also really good. Yeah. So I, I really do like the lyrics on this one. So. Again, put this on the fucking albums. <laughs> if I had to make like a Deer Hunter song tier list, I think the love would be pretty close to the top, just for me personally. I, f I feel yeah, I, I can see like like why you put it up there. I think yeah. I put it at like low A, high B tier. I can see that. For me, it'd be closer to S, but that's just because of what it means to me emotionally. I that's put a lot of emotional stock in music, so that's just how I am. Hey, I mean, that's what it's for, so... Um, so, overall, uh, what did you think, and what was your favorite track? Uh, so, overall, I'd say that the beginning and the last part of this album were the best parts, and of course the bonus tracks are cool. By last, I mean, like, the last of the, like, bass core album um everything else uh kind of like I, I don't know i thought the middle part was honestly kind of boring i don't think i would go back and listen to it um the vocals like really carry this since it's like you know personal expression album it's just casey crescenzo just really just going at it um and the you know piano and drums kind of support him but they also get their their time to shine do their own thing um, I don't know, I'd say it's like the lyrics are like well written, but there's a lot of times where it's like kind of like hit or miss on the impact for me. I wouldn't say that's like really like an indictment of it, just because I can't relate to it doesn't mean like no one else real really will. Um, so, yeah, um, I would say it's pretty good. I'm not sure if I would recommend it. If you, if you do like the idea, I guess, of this album, I would recommend it. Um, but if you're not into that, then, like, I don't think this would really change your mind, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, like, if you're not into, like, a lot of soft stuff, um, like, I generally am not, I would not say that this would, like, change your mind. But there's a lot of high points on it. So, yeah. So, thank yeah. you for that album. Of course. So, uh, let's go a complete 180. Uh, um, <laughs> oh my god so the album that Meg gave me is called Arizona by a band called Vane <laughs> I had never heard of this band before but uh, and I did no research but except for like 30 minutes before we sat down and started recording and I learned that this album is produced by the guitarist for Fit for an Autopsy really so there's your there's your connection. Six degrees of separation. Wow, it's a small world after all. I mean, it makes sense. His production touches are all fucking over this thing. Uh, but yeah, this was uh, apparently uh, Vane is a metalcore band that I have never heard of before. It's fine. 
they're, um, they're more recent, as you can tell by their release date. Um, they're also yeah, newer. This, this is their first de- be- uh, debut album. They've done a few EPs and splits in the years ahead of releasing Error Zone. Mm-hmm. And uh, first and foremost, that album cover is terrifying. <laughs> it's not as terrifying as the one you gave me. Like, this one's fine. I like, I will, like the I will respectfully disagree. I don't like eye horror at all. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh okay. yeah, Will. P- I had no idea Will Putney was the guitarist in Fit for an Autopsy. Yeah, he produces a ton of like, like of the metalcore albums of like the past few years. Like he I, does production it, work for Knocked Loose too. It makes sense because like he's a damn good producer as far as I'm concerned, and I'm very concerned. <laughs> um. You should be. I am. Uh, so the album begins with I. I'm just gonna call this virus vibrance because I don't know. I don't know how to code. I assume that means something in code. I don't know. Uh, it's kind of like how you'd write like or not like write, but like type out like a drive, I guess. Okay. In a directory, it's, it's a bit like that. Oh yeah, uh, the album starts with this song, and I have to say it was a bold choice uh, putting the Powerpuff Girls sample in there, but I'm glad that they did it. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> but in seriousness, I did enjoy this a lot. Um, I never thought of it as the Powerpuff Girls sample. I'm sorry, I'll let you talk no, about it. No, it's okay. That, that was the joke. <laughs> <laughs> that was the joke. But uh, I did enjoy uh, a lot of the guitar riffs on this album. This song in particular just starts off with a very, like, in-your-face kind of riff. Um, the drums are as fast-paced as I could imagine, and as fast-paced as I would want them to be. Um, I am not huge on this particular style of vocals, but they do make it work. And um, I'm going to uh, potentially make you angry and say that this sounded a lot... And I mean a lot, like Code Orange. No, I mean, this This album's drawn in comparison to a lot of bands, one of them being Code Orange, others are like Converge, Slipknot, Deftones, kind of thing. I can, I can definitely see Converge and uh, Slipknot. And 110%, uh, this sounded like Code Orange, because I've been listening to um, Code Orange's most recent album, Underneath, recently. And I had I had them on the brain, and I was like, "Oh, oh yeah, this sounds a lot like them." Yeah, but that's I, not I a that's not a bad to, thing. I was also listening to underneath. Yeah, um, it definitely does sound a bit like Code Orange. Uh, I'd say I'd say this to me personally, like this feels a bit more manic than Code Orange. Yeah, just to, like slightly more unhinged instead of pure fucking heavy anger. Yeah, it's like it's not like a buff guy beating you up. It's like a skinny guy, but he has a knife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, speaking speaking of knife, uh, words create lies. Pain can be trusted. Um, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, the lyrics the lyrics on this thing are very bleak. Yeah, no. Well, there's the line about a nuclear weapon called self actualization. I will say, uh, some of these are silly, but they're silly in the best possible way. Like, it's wonderful. It's more intense when you hear this guy just screaming it at you. Oh, for sure. <laughs> it's it's like listening to Dillinger Escape Plan lyrics, and you read them, and you're like, well, that just doesn't make any fucking sense. And then you listen to it in the song, and you're like, oh, okay, I get it now. It's like, oh, I get it. You're a crazy person. <laughs> 
Sorry, um, continue. I don't want to. I, I I'm trying my best to not talk over you because I love this album. Uh, you're good. Um, the second song is called "Old Data and a Dead Machine." Um, I don't think I liked this as much as Virus Vibrance. That's not to say it's bad. Um, a lot of a lot of this song or this album kind of um, it doesn't bleed together in a sense that everything sounds the same, but it bleeds together in that a lot of the songs are connected to one another. Yeah, um, definitely. So I like. I kind of forgot that this song was its own separate song. I thought it was just part of Virus Vibrance until I looked just now and I was like, oh yeah, it's, it's a different song. Um, I've, I've been there. And so is everyone I've shown this album to. <laughs> this was another good one. Uh, I like the lyrics and about uh, how it's, it's very nihilistic in a sense. <laughs> nihilistic and also uh, psychopathic in, 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 in places. Um, like uh, the first, the first part where he says, "Eyes glued to the window pane till the sun comes up to say, worry, fixate, and then repeat." Like that's very, very like hot. Damn, we live in a fucking society. Um, but then the next line is, "Do you imagine their blood inside your head?" As far as I know, they're already dead. So it's like, hmm, hmm, hmm. I don't think you like people very much, Mister. Uh, what is this? Insane. What is? Uh, I'm trying to find the lead singer's name. Anthony uh, DiDio? I don't know how to pronounce his name. Jeez Louise, Mr. Anthony DiDio, I can tell that you don't particularly care for people. <laughs> That's not a bad thing. No, um, he's, I was say, he's not entirely wrong. Um, no, it's not. Oh, are you there? Hello? Yeah, are are you there? Yes. Okay. Um, uh, you were just like, it felt like you were like just shouting from like really far away, and like that's weird. We're on the computer. Reverse protocol. <laughs> Do okay. an entire episode where we just shout the song titles across the room from each other. Oh God! <laughs> what? Why did you say? Could you speak up? All right. Tell us about uh, yeah. Rebirth Protocol. Rebirth Protocol is very fun. Uh, very metal. Uh, <laughs> a lot of these songs are really, really quick, too. So, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes, again, like I don't realize that a song has ended, and I look and I'm like, oh, this is an entirely different song, okay. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this song is very good. Uh, in particular, uh, I'm less inclined to focus on uh, musicality and focus on lyrics. Um, it's just because I don't know how to write music, but I can write poetry. Oh, really? Um, I'm, I listen to music the exact opposite way. Like, I'm going to be honest, I don't know all the lyrics on your Error Zone, and that doesn't really bother me. I just really love the sound of it. To be fair, like, most of these lyrics are just stuff that I look up after, after the fact, because there's no way I'm going to try and follow along with this shit. Right. She sings so fast. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I I particularly like uh, the line in this song, um, uh, while you keep missing the point, mine will only get sharper. Ooh, I didn't know that was in there. <laughs> it's it's very good, and I understand it, and I'm like, oh shit, I want more of this. Yeah, it's like, but oh, it's only a minute long. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I actually have the track, like, the track pulled up with the links, and you're, you're right, they were very short. Uh, to those listening, this, this, uh, album has 11 songs on it, but it's not even 30 minutes long, just to give you an idea of how short each song is. I appreciate that if you don't count any bonus tracks on either album, we gave each other an, an album that was, like, similar in terms of track length, but wildly different in terms of song length. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it'd be like that. Especially it really do fucking be like that. Um, the next song is called Broken Glass... Glass? Broken Glass Complexion. Um... I see. I think this is the one with a guitar riff that I really, really liked in it, but I can't remember right now because brain is not functioning. <laughs> um, but uh, I particularly liked the instrumentals on this song more than I like the lyrics because the lyrics are just uh, general, like "I fucking hate you and I'm going to destroy you" kind of lyrics. Again, shoutouts to Code Orange. Shout out to Good Orange. Yeah, um, so I'm trying to remember some like risks from this song too. This is like, in my opinion, this is one of like the weaker tracks from this album. But it all mm -hmm. kind of like goes by so quickly and it stitched so well together. It's kind of hard to tell, to be honest. Um, it does go into the next track really well, but I'll let you talk about that. Anesthesia. Yeah. Anesthesia feels like there's somebody around the corner, and I like that. Day in, day out. I don't want to be like this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is a very short song. This is almost the exact same length as Rebirth Protocol. Um, but whereas Rebirth Protocol was like everything all at once, like a fury of noise, this is subdued and creepy and i like that <laughs> that slipknot influence showing it's only my second favorite song called anesthesia that i've ever heard it's the first one the bass solo well of course it is let's see there you go <laughs> listen listen biff burton was amazing he i don't was. care what anybody says everyone says that he was amazing so don't worry <laughs> all right good uh demise automation it's probably my favorite song. Yeah, the, the intro riff to this is, like, really good. It's definitely one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Intro riff is really good. Uh, also, if I recall correctly, right after the breakdown uh, is the line that you had as your Discord status for a very long time. Yes, as I say, I couldn't remember which, what it was, but there's one of these where I just had serotonin discontinued as my status for, like, a month. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, it's a great line, and it's uh, followed up well with the rest of the lines being Nostalgia's running out, just a classic case of gotta kick this shit out. See? There you go. Overall, I rate Demise Automation, Demise out of 10. <laughs> demise also, out of automation. automation. Exactly. Also, I lied, Doom Tech is my favorite. Yeah, uh... Doom Tech seems to be like the common favor from this one, but it really did like I don't know. It's not, it's it depends on I guess day for me if I want to listen to it, but I'll let you talk about it more. 
So the reason that I think Doom Tech would probably be most people's favorites uh, is because it's the most like a standard metalcore song. Yeah. And that there's more of a verse, verse, chorus, verse structure, but not exactly that. Uh, like it still has their aggression and their style of playing, but it's not like the rest of the album, which has felt like four thousand fucking needles being pushed into you at once. <laughs> I love that description. That's exactly what it sounds like. And I love it. You're welcome. You can now use it for yourself. I love that description, but I also love this album. That's that's the only reason I recommended it. I was like, I already like this album. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it, it's just a bit of a slow section in here. And it's, you know, if you're not into slow sections, understandable. I thought this was really fun, though. Yeah, it really, it gets like a reprieve from it. Um, do you have anything more to say about the song? Because there's something I do want to throw in for this, actually. Nope, you go right ahead. Uh, okay, so like that chorus breakdown riff kind of thing. It's like the easiest thing in the world to play, but it sounds so awesome. <laughs> and whenever I visit my friend, because he has like a better amp and guitar than, than I do, I try to like dial in the tone by just playing that like riff like because you can do it with one hand and also it just sounds really fucking cool it's all you need sometimes yeah it's all you need so yeah um so the next song is called untitled i can see why they didn't want to title it because i don't remember the song at all whoa really yeah i love this song this is that's like fair like, musically, it's the coolest one to me because it's just, like, the standard harsh vocals, but the drums and guitar aren't as crazy, and there's some weird, like, clean singing kind of wailing over it. Was, See, like, I remember that part of it, but I don't remember much else about it. Huh. Well, but it is also literally a minute long, so that might have something to do with it. Yeah, as I say, like, it's not even the full minute. It's only 59 seconds. Um, at least according to Wikipedia, but, yeah, continuing on. So, Untitled is, uh, it's a song, but it does lead into End Eternal, which I like more. Yeah, definitely it's got more structure to it. Structure is good, and I feel as though, um, you know, much like the rest of the album, there's a lot of, uh, like, weird and fucking violent uh, kinds of passages in it. But there's always this underlying feeling of, like, this is chaos, but it's controlled chaos. That makes sense. Um, I'm just, I don't know if you know this, but um, this is the most tame of Vane's releases. That's... Uh, okay. <laughs> it gets worse. By worse, I mean better. Well, not better. I love this album. You get the idea. We can go more unhinged. We have to be more. We have to be more. Uh, what else did you think about End Eternal, though? Uh, was this the song where there was a, a sample of a woman saying goodbye in it? Yeah, it's like the like right before like the final part of the breakdown. Yeah, that yeah. was cool. I like when bands do that. It's neat. <laughs> 
Um, I really it's, like the drums and the bass on like the last breakdown, like the the rain go away part. Also, the vocals mm-hmm. on that are cool, like the call and mm-hmm. response. Uh, it's just so intricate, but it's just also like chaotic at the same time. So I get what you mean by like the controlled chaos. Mm-hmm. And like, I am a big fan of controlled chaos. One of my favorite albums is uh, "One of Us Is the Killer" by the Dillinger Escape Plan. So controlled chaos is nothing new to me. This was just something a bit more uh, than ooh, than some of the other controlled chaos kind of albums I've listened to in the past. Probably. But it was very good. I feel like that should be mentioned. So well, I mean, don't. It's okay if you don't like it. I was kind of, I was kind of like, he may or may not like this. But I'm just thinking about this album, so I'll give it to him, and he can talk about it. <laughs> Um, so that's the way I, I think about it, but there's still two more songs on here to talk about. So. There are. Uh, yes. Arizona, the title track, is next. Um, I think because the song is so close to the end, and because I like the next song a lot more, uh, I don't remember it nearly as much, but I do like the uh, way that every single lyric source that I have found has made the word destruction with like spaces in between every single one of the letters because that's how he sings it <laughs> really i didn't know they did that oh my god that's great genius does it apple music lyrics does it <laughs> that's good that is great that's when you know the song is good <laughs> when you have to type it out like that it's just like it's different uh i I really am not sure what this song is about lyrically, besides everything sucks. Yeah, who but knows? I think that I think that's been the theme of the whole album. Uh, what did you think about the uh, part towards the end, where it's like the clean singing part and actual like harmony afterwards? I am a sucker for melody and harmony, so I did enjoy it quite a bit. I I really like that part too. Uh, I really like the lyrics. Uh, it's just it's a hopeless feeling. We've been there. We've all been there. And if you haven't, well, after the nothing that happened on Wednesday, you might soon. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, nothing happened on Wednesday. <sighs> nothing ever happens. Nothing bad ever happened. Ever. Nothing bad happens to the Kennedys. <laughs> It's a more relevant thing than mine. <laughs> I don't know. I think Ruby is pretty relevant it's... in most situations. You know what? I agree. <laughs> Alright, let's talk um, about the last track. Quitting Infinity is really, 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 really good. I adored this song, and this is probably one of the songs that's going to go on my playlist afterwards. Um... I just, everything about this song just felt like it was a culmination of everything that the rest of the album was trying to do, but done in such a way that I don't want to say it was just better, because that's a really, really generic way of saying it, but like, there's not much, there's not too many flowery words I can use to describe how much I goddamn love this song. Um... It's just fun, and it's angry, and it's everything that the rest of the album is, and I keep coming back to it. 
Yeah, this is definitely one of my favorites, too. At first, I was kind of like, why isn't Arizona the end track? It would work better because it has that, like, contrasting section at the end that kind of fades out. Um, but mm -hmm. I think Quitting Infinity might be, like, a better ending track on the basis um, that um, it's, it's slowed down from the rest of the album, so it kind of, like, makes it feel more like it's still kind of, like, the same, like, spiteful, like, core, but at this point, it's, like, this kind of, like, lurching beast, especially towards the end, because, like, it, the last, like, 30 seconds of this is just pure breakdown. I mean, mm -hmm. to be fair, it's also, like, you know, 60% of this album, but it's really, like, you know, dramatic here. Uh, yeah, and I particularly just... Like, if I was going to do what I normally do when I listen to an album I like and just put one song on repeat ad nauseum, it would probably be Quitting Infinity. Yeah, there's there's some lyrics I actually do like from this. I'm trying to remember what the exact line is, so I'm going to look it up real quick if that's good. Signed by me. Okay, it's the very last line, which is like a that's really what I was, great way that's to what end I was an album. To. Yeah, I will not fear what the future brings, what's now is mine to take. In the context of the song, probably not very good. But if you take that out of context, it's really, really good. It sounds really inspiring out of context. Like, in the context of this, it's like, oh no. It's like that one uh, quote where it's like, you gotta draw a line in the sand. You gotta tell yourself, what am I willing to put up with today? Not fucking this. I <laughs> forgot about that. Yeah, that was like that was legendary back in 2012. <laughs> but yeah, um, overall, I did very much enjoy this album. Uh, it reminded me a lot of um, the album that came out a year after it. But it's an album by a band called Pangea called Vesper, which is a lot more like technical based and a lot more proggy. But a lot of the heavy stuff was reminded me, a lot of the heavier stuff that I heard on this reminded me of the heavier stuff I heard on Vesper. And when you remind me of Vesper, that's a good thing, because I fucking love that album. Okay, I just, sorry, I put it in the Discord message, because I, I want to remember that. It's like something that's oh, like error zone. <gasps> I'll give it to you, don't worry. Okay, cool. Well, I might just listen to it myself. Um, I do a to do errands today, I gotta mail stuff, but, um, sorry, I spaced off there. What, what was your, what was your impression of Arizona? How would, how would you describe it, and would you recommend it? I would rate it, uh, chaos out of ten. <laughs> um, but, uh, overall, I would definitely recommend it to people who want something chaotic, and something angry. Uh, if you're a fan of Code Orange, please, God, listen to this album, because it's very, very similar in all the right ways. So, alright, cool. Um, I guess, do we go to the, the part where we uh, give our recommendations? Um, I guess just want to put out there, last episode we didn't do that, but I think it'd be cool, I guess, uh, we gave them now, and then people listening can, like, listen with us 
in anticipation of the next one. Yeah. If you do this anticipate is... this podcast. I don't know why you would, but... Because we're great, <laughs> Meg. That's why they would. You know what? I'll take the compliment. I'll, I can take a compliment. <laughs> the uh, album that I'm choosing to give you is Follow the Blind by Blind Guardian. I kind of wish they would just title it Follow the, and then it would be what? Blind Guardian. So no, Blind, Guardian, Blind Guardian is a different song. I'm serious. They have a song called Blind Guardian? Yep, it's off their first album, Battalion. Oh, I was hoping it would be like a triple like self-titled thing. Kind of like no. Black Sabbath and Iron Maiden. No, unfortunately. Dang. Wasted opportunity. This album sucks already. I'm kidding. <laughs> God damn it, Blind Guardian. What, what are you the grandfathers of power metal for? Fuck you. Yeah, I, I guess they just couldn't uh, see the appeal of doing that. Well... I suppose now I have to kill you and send you to the Hall of the King. That was better than what you've done so far. Give I don't that. know that that's true. What? It was a more subtle pun. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm what are quitting. You doing <laughs> I'm quitting. There's no episode three. Alright, goodbye. I'm not quitting. I love you. Have a good day. I'm not quitting. I have nothing to do. Don't hang up. <laughs> Uh, okay, so my album is by a band called Trico, but it is not spelled how you think it would be. It's not the Pokemon. It's some strange French word. They're not French either. Uh, they're actually, Japanese from the look of it. Yep, they are Japanese. Um, and it's spelled T-R-I-C-O-T. Oh, I so it's like uh, the thing from The Last Guardian. I don't Not know. The last guardian. I don't know what uh, that is. I'll show. I'll show it to you later. But it's continue. A, it's the thing from the last blind guardian. Um, Sorry to fucking really. Um, and the album is called the, but it's like the stuff is spaced out. It's like all caps and there's spaces, so it's like T H E. Oh, like me when I'm having a bad day. Got it. Yeah, it's it's like, <laughs> it's like uh, it's like the. Destruction part in Error Zone. <laughs> Alright, well, with that being said, um, you can find me on the Twitters where I post about how nothing happened on Wednesday. Uh, you can follow me at Starship9. Where can the people find you? Um, I am on Twitter now. As Hooray! <laughs> Yay! Uh, <laughs> I am on there as Shin Megan Tensei. Um, it's like Shin Megami Tensei, both my name instead. Haha. Ha. Um, my account's private because I was like, I don't want my parents to follow it. Not because of anything like political or like not safe for work, but because I I don't know how to explain like anime or Ruby to them. I don't know. <laughs> So, yeah. Um, well, all right. Have a wonderful day. I love you. I love you more. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, well, that's fair. Yeah.